welcome to Sustained, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? And is this coffee working? I hope it's working. That's right. I'm still in New Zealand. This is Richard Littauer, one of your hosts. Hello, everyone. We also have Justin Dorfman on today. Justin, how are you doing? Doing good. Really excited about this conversation. I'm also really excited. This is super cool. We are here today for a special podcast. I'm pretty sure this is going to have to go out before next Friday. So this will be a bit early of a podcast. We wanted to make sure that you were able to listen because on the line today, we have Natri Slamek. Natri Slamek is the Senior Director of Strategy at GitHub, very small organization. You may have heard about it, probably runs most of the world's open source code. Natri, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I'm really excited. So we've had people on before from GitHub, but today we really wanted to talk about a couple of things that you've been launching and working on recently. I don't think GitHub needs an introduction to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, you're not sure who GitHub is. I'm not sure this is the podcast for you. So just to jump right into it, Natri, we've had a bit of a conversation already this morning in the pre-chat. That's right. We get to talk to people before you get to listen. Oh, listeners, I'm sorry about that about the two things that you're launching, which are kind of confusing, but still both totally awesome. Can you tell me about what I'm talking about? So last month we had our big annual developers conference. It was great to see everyone live and in person. There was also remote, but felt like the first time after a long time during this pandemic where we got people together. But what we were doing is really thinking about how do we help open source? How do we invest in the developers that sit on our platform, build their lives on this platform and really build careers and companies in open source. And the two programs that we ended up launching were first, the GitHub Accelerator, and second, the M12 GitHub Fund. And the reason I just said M12 is because it's in partnership with our friends at Microsoft, the VC arm of them, specifically M12. And so these are two different things that we are using to help support and sustain OSS. Over the long haul, same theme as the show, frankly. And it's been a bit of a journey for us to get here. You know, we launched GitHub Sponsors back in 2019. This was, you know, the early days of GitHub really doing a lot of different experimentation and tests in how maintainers can support their projects and also have new contributors and more people participate in open source. You know, often we think of open source as something that gets done on nights and weekends. You do it as a student to get seen and heard and really give your talents back to the community. It's where you often get your first foray into software. So we launched GitHub Sponsors. And in the three years since then, we've really seen a flourishing and what people can do to help fund new models in open source. I think in some ways we were catching up to the community. There are so many people that have come onto your show and talked about how they've built new funding models for their projects. And with sponsors, we saw both individuals and projects set up new foundations, new companies, new careers. And over the course of the last three years, we've expanded across the world. And as we were looking at what we could do, what we saw was a lot of people were asking for like coffee money or for just some help with funding the compute resources that need to run their project. But no one was really thinking about like, hey, I should go quit my job and work for the internet. Like, I should just do this full time. And the inspiration behind the accelerator is why don't we try to get more people to go do that? And so the accelerator is really focused on you're a maintainer today and we want you to take the time 
to have the energy to actually see what it would look like if your side project was actually just your full-time career. We did a test of this. So back when we launched GitHub Sponsors in India, one of our biggest geographies, it's fastest growing across GitHub at that scale, really. But we did a really small test. We started something called OS Grants, which Karin on our DevRel team launched. And we just gave 20 developers a set of funds. We dedicated a core rupees to it. And we just told them, hey, we're going to give you this funds and we're going to let you see what happens with your projects. And what we found was it was like wildly successful. There were two developers in particular, just use them as the examples, Peter Thomas and Leas Thomas. No relation. They're totally separate people. They both ended up taking those funds, really focusing on their projects, Karate Labs for Peter, Hopscotch for Elias. And they ended up joining YC, starting companies, and they're just growing really fast. And it's been just a really fun journey for us to be a part of and us to see from the sidelines and cheer them on. So the accelerator is really about taking that small little test and going global with it. We're now going to be funding 20 developers again, but it's going to be across the world. It's a fully remote program. And instead of us just cutting a check and then saying like, good luck, good fortune, we won't see what happens. We're actually putting people in a 10-week program. We have a great set of advisors who have done all different types of things in open source. And over the course of those 10 weeks, they're going to go from the like ABC version, like, hey, I got licensing issues. I got process issues. I got just funding issues. How do I deal with all of that? How do I deal with contributors? How do I deal with working with enterprises? And one of the main focuses is since we launched GitHub Sponsors in 2019, we've also brought on enterprise sponsors because enterprise companies have really benefited from open source. And while we want open source to be open, we also think that there's a fair share that companies should be paying as well. So we're going to hopefully have some good conversations about how enterprises can participate in open source and really help developers, maintainers specifically, take the leap into full-time work. You brought up Peter Thomas, and I know him. He worked at Intuit, and he created Karate Labs. Labs. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's really, really cool to hear because he was so... I mean, he still probably is very passionate about that project. Speaking of enterprises, since he was working for Intuit, is Intuit involved in this venture or is it more just other enterprises that are coming in besides, I'm not talking about just Microsoft and Intuit, just like others? It's others. I would have to go back to the list and see if Intuit is one of the customers that are participating in the sponsors for companies. But some examples here, Volkwink Garrett, who runs the open source program office at Mercedes Daimler as well as Dwayne O'Brien, who is one of the advisors to the accelerator at Indeed. They both are thinking about how to do this in a much more programmatic way. I think for enterprises, open source kind of came in the back door and then there was a bunch of adverts around like, well, how do we understand this thing and how do we license it properly? And we do all this other stuff. And now there's this new wave at companies where they're saying, no, 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 like this is awesome. We want to work with these projects. We just don't know how to navigate it. We don't know who to talk to first. We don't know how the relationships should work. And, you know, in the early days of any market, this is how it works. Everyone's just one-to-one relationships. You know, I think the thing that a lot of people understand about open source is some of the best projects, some of the biggest projects, you can see this in the Octoverse port for GitHub, you know, are actually company-backed. So you have things like Flutter and VS Code and Next.js, these crisscross both big tech companies as well as startups. 
we're seeing this very new version of like you're growing with the community. So as the open source community is growing, you're also building the enterprise product. And then these things sort of symbiotically support one another. So to answer your question in sort of a very broad way, one of the things that we're looking at is how do enterprises participate and give back? And we're trying to lead by example here. So the first thing that we actually did over the summer, Ashley Wolf and team from the OSPO program at GitHub actually did a full dependency look. You know, we looked down at all of the dependencies that make GitHub platform work. It was about 800 developers who sat in countries that GitHub sponsors worked in. And we sponsored them. We just dedicated $500,000 and we said, hey, we depend on your software. We want this to be sustainable. We want this to be supported. We don't want it to be abandonware. And so we want to do this. And by us doing this, we're also telling all of our customers, this is the way it should work. You don't have to just buy enterprise software. You can also have a clear budget, a clear indication of how you're supporting open source. And so that's one of the ways that we've really looked at it as well. I'm really curious about that because... You're talking about enterprise and you're talking about giving back. And then you have a narrative that you're talking about with, well, this is how we're giving back and we're trying to help developers out. But then there's a difference between helping developers out with growing their own projects and having enterprise investment in their dependencies. So I guess a question that jumps to mind for me is, have you tracked the growth of the projects that you've given money to with that $500,000? Have you seen whether or not they've been able to quit their jobs since having that money in front of them and or have those projects improved? I'm really curious about that. I want to make a point, just a slight clarification. I think these are two sides of the same coin. Because a lot of developers, they throw out a side project and then all of a sudden, like they wake up overnight and thousands and then millions of people are using that project. And they're like, well, I just built this project my own it, but this is kind of cool and awesome. But if you're going to submit an issue, like I don't need to deal with it. You know, I gave this back to the community. I'm not going to like burn the midnight oil just working on your thing. Yeah. And then often also a lot of maintainers have great pride in cross-legion of their work. And they're like, oh, great. You know what? I should actually go fix that. So when I say, you know, developers working on their own projects and then enterprises sponsoring their dependencies, these are sort of one and the same. Because oftentimes those people that they are depending on are the people who have these side projects that have been put out and then gotten very popular over time. For the actual money that we gave, it ended up coming out to, I think, like $583. I didn't have to like go back and do the math. So like, don't quote me on this. We'll probably put it in the show notes like what the real number was. But for us, it was sort of, we're just going to do it equal. We're going to put a big number out there and see what happens. I don't have any specific stories of the actual dependencies. But I think with GitHub being in its place in the open source community, we wanted to do more. And that's why we started the Accelerator. The idea here is the Accelerator should really be showing the example of what this could look like if enterprises really had an active role in supporting open source. And it's not just the open source that, you know, isn't commercially backed. It's like you sit on a team that's working at that company, but giving money back, giving contributions back, helping with the security, as well as compliance and some of the software items. Like you could see a world in which there's both money as well as code that gets symbiotically put back and forth between companies and the software projects that end up going full-time. I think I should make another note here. So I think the way that we've been thinking about open source and how you act as a developer, it looks like kind of comes back to like my calendar days when we were using a ton of open source software. We'd like talk to these people and we'd be desperate. We'd be like, we will pay you anything if you just spend one hour with us talking about Cassandra database. Like, please, like just spend time. I'm like, it's 1 a.m. and we don't know how this thing freaking works. 
they were all like, oh, I didn't know that you would even pay me to do something like this. Like, I'm ignoring you because I don't want to like spend my free time on this. But I think like something that's been really weird about how open source has morphed is there's almost like this V curve when you think about a developer's career. Either I'm going to go work for a company. I'm going to be an employee at a startup or a big tech company or whatever it is. And I'm only going to develop software within that company's realm. Or I'm one of the lucky few and I'm developing software as part of an open source project, but it's umbrellaed within this big tech company. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there are people like Peter Thomas and Leas Thomas who start open source companies who say, okay, I'm going to go and found a company. I'm going to raise VC funds. And then, you know, in some ways you kind of sign yourself up to this like hockey stick growth curve. You're going to build sales and marketing. And then like, you know, you look back 10 years later and you're like, oh, I'm like the CEO or CTO or whatever of a company. And I'm no longer this indie loan developer who's like putting out open source projects. And then you have like a whole other realm of like foundations. Obviously, the Linux Foundation does a great job here, CNCF, et cetera. But there's no kind of middle path. And it's kind of ironic because like when you think about creators on the internet, all the creators on the internet that I can think of, if you like knit great sweaters, if you're a great carpenter, there are these like storefronts that you can create on the internet. There's Etsy, there's Shopify. You can build a really viable awesome lifestyle business for you and your family. And you can support your craft through that. But with software, it's sort of like, oh, well, you go open source, you give it away for free. Or you do these two, maybe three things because the software foundations obviously play a very vital and huge role in this. And my view at the Accelerator is one of the things we're looking for is more people who sit in the middle. Where is that missing middle? Where are all these people who are building 10, 13, $15 million a year businesses who don't need it sign up for 50% growth year over year, but build a really important tool that everyone needs across the software spectrum. And so one of the advisors that we have for the accelerator, his name's Mike Byrne, he's great. He runs Sidekick, contributes to Slabs, he's like the big banner, but he runs Sidekick. And you go to Sidekick, you think that it's this big company and it's like, it's Mike, it's just him. And that's awesome. Like, I want more of that. Where are all those folks? And how do we really shine a light on that being a success case and you being able to go contribute to software? I mean, especially in this world where now, you know, you can kind of work from wherever, be from wherever and still contribute to this global source of code. Like, that's what we're looking for. And that's also why we have such a like strong focus on also pooling people from not just the normal geographies, not just Western Europe and the US, but across the world. I like to hear this small scale approach because I think what's really just kind of infected our industry is VCs throwing large amounts of money and expecting these unrealistic returns for most companies because it's spray and pray. That's the way it works. But creating and focusing on these small businesses that do 10 to 15 million and they basically maintain and build services off critical digital infrastructure, I think is a really great way to go. Now, is this have to do with M12 or are we not there yet? So I want to lay this out kind of clearly. So we've launched GitHub sponsors. That's the product. That's the platform. Whether you're an individual developer who's like, I'm worth coffee money. And you like five bucks every once in a while. Like, that's awesome. Great. Like, kudos for me. All the way up to I'm an enterprise who's distributing $500,000 a year to all of my open source dependencies. Like that platform really runs the gamut. 
And then with the accelerator, we're really focused on what's a full-time career look like. If we were mm-hmm. looking at an individual or a team of max three people is sort of how we dated it. What could full-time careers look like? And to me, everything is goodness. So if you come to the accelerator and ultimately you get discovered by someone and they say, come work on your open source project at our company, I'm like, awesome, great thing. If you start an independent lifestyle business and you're saying, look, like now I've been able to support my family, I can quit my job, work for the internet, and I don't have to sign up for a VC growth curve. Awesome. That's great for you. Like if you start a foundation, if you join a foundation, great. If you start an open source company like Leas or Peter did, awesome. Like we want all of those outcomes. To me, open source needs all of those tools. Like you need all of those paths. And the thing that people are struggling with is it's like, mom and dad, I'm going to quit my like really nice enterprise job. And I'm like going to go work on this project. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? So, right. you know, I want all those paths so they can be like, no, 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 no. Like this is what I'm doing. I think that's like a very important part of the accelerator. Now with the fund, what we found is, I'm just going to keep coming back to Leas and Peter because they were the first class. That no, that's fine. Showed a path. But with them, they built these amazing products. They started companies and we were like, awesome. Please go forth and prosper. We cannot help you no longer. And that felt weird. We were like, why are we doing that? Like, shouldn't there be a way for us to go and invest in this ecosystem of developer tools really that are being built open source on GitHub? And so the end will... GitHub Fund is really about that. It's about how do we invest in the tools that are built on GitHub's platform and do so in a way that is still platform neutral. You know, all sorts of developer tools happen on GitHub. We don't want to just like pick our own small set. And then really shine a light on the fact that many more open source companies are being founded in this way. And I think GitHub is a partner, you know, we've done two investments, one of which is public code C. And when we talk to Shanann team, it looked like we've seen how open source has morphed and evolved over the last decade. You're working with a bunch of open source repos. We can be a great partner for you, both on the product side, as well as how you think about customers and things like that. And so we wanted to be able to build that sort of outlet for open source companies that are being built on the platform. But we also are saying that's not the only answer. There are so many other things that you can do in open source. And the accelerator is really focused on that. How do we seed all of these new ideas? Because I don't think we're done. I think there are like several more chapters over the next decade that are going to get built. It's like, I see indie businesses as being a really awesome way. I see in the same way that you see all of these creators and other creative platforms building new business models. I think open source has a lot more innovation to be done. We need a Mr. Beast for... Exactly. No, open source. <laughs> yes. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Can you imagine? I almost said that. And I was like, ooh, I wonder if I should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just um, like, what he's done is incredible. Now, let me just yeah. ask you something because I've been studying this for past couple of weeks and just trying to figure out if people don't remember, the Python Software Foundation gave out these keys, these hardware for multi-factor authentication to basically secure the supply chain. That was the purpose of the movement. And to my surprise and to many people's surprise, a good number of maintainers said, look, I didn't ask for my project to be critical. I'll just delete the project. I don't need your key. So why I'm bringing this up is everything you're saying is awesome, but how do we deal with these, I don't want to say stubborn developers, but just developers that are just like, 
they build these critical pieces of software, yet they don't really want to deal with the responsibility. Earlier, you said a developer can come in and create some viral project that has 10,000 stars the next day, yet they're just like, I just wanted to put this on Hacker News and be done with it. How do we deal with this? Like, it's a difficult issue. And I'm really interested to know, like, how you and your team are kind of looking at it. The first thing that I do want to say is, like, I have a lot of empathy for that developer, which is like, you did a good thing. Yeah, I do too. I don't want to come off. Yeah, I hope that they come off bad. I'm just being realistic. This is an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In some ways, I look at that and I say, you as the developer probably were like, I don't want this. Like, I just thought this was an area. Like, leave me alone. And so for them, what I want to say is the reason you're probably saying no is you're like, I'm not compensated for this. I don't have to like deal with a bunch of folks who are mad at me all of a sudden because there's some sort of issue with my project. It's not even my project. Like, you know, I can just put it out there. And so I think part of this is giving them the choice and the option to actually do funded work for their project. I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle. And that's why I think, A, having enterprises participate in the ecosystem where you're saying, hey, I depend on your project and I make millions of dollars a year off of my software. Like maybe I should also support the software that makes my software work. You know, I'm not saying that you have to give everything. I'm not saying you even have to give like X percent. I'm just saying there should be a recognition and a contribution back. And then I think the second way that we approach this is sort of going back to my earlier point, you should have a very clear picture of what career paths in open source look like. I think often the way it's happening now is like, well, you go into open source, you get discovered, and then you like come back into these other things. Or maybe you're like one of the lucky few who work for a foundation or for a big tech company that can actually just support the project full scale. And I think having funded work, especially when it's mission critical or in the critical path, like you were talking about, as well as having very clear pictures of what your career could look like. I think those are two really big things. I mean, we've kind of broken the model the last decade, right? Like I remember, you know, I still talk to like my cousins and parents about this. I'm like, oh yeah, like, you know, I quit my job and I will work for the startup. And they're like, what are you talking about? You have a super secure job. Why did you do that? But now today they're like, oh yeah, like I've heard of this. Like I know what this means. I think we're also in it. I've lived my whole career and life in open source. I sort of forget that a lot of people don't know what this thing is. But in the same way that like, you know, going back to that old example, like the same way that Etsy has made it really clear, like, oh yeah, like I have a business on Etsy and it's actually like clipping like a really healthy lifestyle for me. Like, I think that could be the next wave. Hey, I love it. You know what this is about to be and you have mentors, you have advisors, you have the infrastructure to do this right. So one of the things I'm really curious about is you're still only funding 20 people at the moment. So this is a small program. The accelerator is there, but the accelerator it does not exist for all of GitHub. And you're, you made a 10-week course, which presumably will be very high contact, high touch. I really want to know how that works. What are the plans to roll this out beyond those 20 people? Will this be available to everyone in the future on GitHub or not? It's small by intention. I think something that we're extremely cognizant of is I have no business coming in and being like, I have the solution for all of you. Get on board. We don't want to do that. And so what we've really started to do is say, let's continue testing. Let's continue experimenting. 20, I think, is kind of that nice number where you can know 20 people and be like, let me rattle off 20 stories. You know, like I can like rattle off 20 examples. You can be very clear on 
so-and-so did this and then this happened and then this happened. So the reason we started so small is because I think you just need like one or two stories that you can tell your family, friends, whomever, boss, it's like, hey, I'm going to go do that thing. And then we can kind of explode it and really scale it in a much bigger way. By doing things small, we're able to get feedback quickly and really have like a high quality experience. Like to me, like quality of how people experience GitHub and how they're building their careers is so much more important than quantity. I don't want just a bunch of people getting 30 bucks a month. I want 20 people making $200,000 a year. Like that would be pretty awesome. So I think the way we're really approaching this is we're going to open source it. Once you have that first class of 20 people, it should be like, so-and-so, she did this. Here's her sponsor's profile. Go fork it for yourselves, change it around, and then test it out again. And so that should be open source. The course itself will be open source. I can make that promise with eyes wide open right now. We're not some like secret behind the gate having all these advisors and people come out and do an awesome amount of content and then like not open source. That that seems a bit silly. Like this is the way we should be doing things, learning in the open together. And so those are the two things that we're really looking at. But the reason we kept the program small to start is one, we want the stories to be really salient. And two, I think this enterprise component of the picture, we already have this event. Again, like if you go back to the Octopus report, like 50% of first-time contributions happen with commercially backed projects today. That's like an astonishing number, which is like, wow, there are a bunch of new people in open source who are contributing to commercially backed software. They might not even know that it's commercially backed, frankly. Like, I don't, I don't know if everyone knows that like Blur and Nextshade, like all these other companies have these open source projects. But where I was going with this is that's one model for companies to participate in open source by hiring these teams and having them on their actual payroll. Another way is for them to be funding individuals, funding indie developers. Going back to that Mr. Beast example that Justin, you were talking about, right? Like there's already a really clear path on how people do this in other industries. I like the idea of enterprises sponsoring individual developers. And right now I think the relationship is just too murky. Do I pay you per hour? Do I pay you for an issue? That feels weird and nasty. Like, do I pay you for a feature? Do I pay you for a release? Are you support? What What's the deal? And like right now on sponsors, you see a lot of folks who say like $1,000 a month, platinum tier sponsorship. I'm going to put your logo on my website and you can talk to me. Clearly, we just need to run through all of the different variations. And by starting small, we can screw up a little bit here and there and then learn from that and iterate and then get to the real things that developers actually want to do and enterprises can actually engage with. So I'm really on board with being able to find the main core maintainers of a project. I think it's awesome to look at a project and see, okay, actually there's one person who's really been writing this or keeping this alive. That is often the case with open source, but open source is also really hideous in that it's impossible to define. There's way too many different types of things. We haven't talked about scientific communities here at all. Huge part of open source. We talked a bit about students, huge part of open source. Mm -hmm. And those aren't always fiscally dependent. I mean, there are open source developers who don't care about getting paid. They actually just want to create stuff. So giving them money doesn't necessarily work. It's not like you can throw money at the problem all the time because some people are just like, no, I made that and I'm done with it now. Yeah. Uh, good example is Dominic Tarr. Didn't really work that way. I agree. Like not everyone wants this, but yep. I think a lot of people as, and especially we've learned like with sponsors, a lot of people have said, 
I wish I could work on this full time. I just don't know how. And I'm so not debating that. Folks, no, I yeah. agree. Yeah, no, it's totally yeah. true. That, I also yeah. want to make a point that like, I feel like I kind of obliquely reference, but not really. As we've expanded into more countries, so we've doubled the number of countries that sponsors covers right now. Yep. One of the clearest things, Brazil, India, many of the other geographies is open source is amazing. This is how I've like, been discovered and built my career. There's absolutely no chance I can work on open source. I have to put food on the table. And like, that is a really important component, both from like an inclusion as well as just access, like overall success. To me, like the promise of open source is you can open your laptop, you connect to the internet. Those are two assumptions that I'm making. But if you can do those two things, you can participate in this global community, the best, most elite developers in the world. And it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter where you are. And a big component of opening that up is being able to say, you can also build a career here. You can also do this full time, not just on your nights and weekends. I actually think two of the assumptions you made aren't necessarily true for all projects. You don't have to connect to the internet. There are decentralized projects out there where people exist without using the internet and they use open source tooling, which is super, super awesome. Yeah, 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 fair. There's also people out there who don't necessarily open their computer who are still part of projects because not all contributions are code contributions. I agree there. Where I want yeah. to where I want to go to, which is yeah. how are you funding communities? Because if you're only funding the main developer, you're not actually funding the contributors to a project who are often dozens of people, thousands of people working on projects who then don't get remunerated for their work. If you're focusing this on the people who are just the maintainers and just the one or two people, I'm really curious how it works on the other side where what happens to the rest of people who contribute is you just don't get anything. Do they all have to go start their own projects or are you planning to work with funding the projects themselves and then helping the communities grow to the point where it's not dependent upon one person? So this is a really important point of the accelerator. We kind of raised the cap up to three people because of this thing where commits aren't universal. Like you shouldn't just be rewarded for the code. There are so many important pieces of work that are happening within a project. Community management, issue management. There's just the overall health of the project is so dependent on all of these folks working together. And so something that's really important to me is how do you actually work as a team? I'm going to do a bad thing here, which is I'm going to say we have two weeks of the course that are just focused on like, how do you work with contributors and how do you work across all of the different roles, like all of the different jobs that you have with the project. So we have folks who are going to come in and talk about that when we open source the course, like that is that hopefully be some of the answer. That's why I think like the accelerator, we're starting small, we're doing only a small amount of people because we know that this isn't the full picture. We know that this isn't all the people who are contributing to open source, but we got to start somewhere. And so we're going to start there and then we need a layer on as we go. So this is the first class. It's also not the last class. In my heart of hearts and, you know, if I got everything that I wanted, we would have a lot of different tracks. There would be, you know, how do you be a great open source community manager? How do you be a great open source contributor, but you're actually doing a lot of the really tough work of like understanding what the roadmap should be, how the issues should work, like all of those different things and components that go into a really healthy open source project. So what I'm kind of seeing here, GitHub is creating a pipeline for open source code creator community. That's kind of what's happening here. Jessica Lord's dealing with the sponsorships. You're dealing with M12 and, mm-hmm. and other types of strategies to get 
from 94 million developers to 194 million developers. These are the types of strategies and programs that you got to put in place that's going to help Microsoft and GitHub, but also help the community at the same time. So is that kind of like the strategy? How long can this go? What is the purpose? How are we going to sustain this so we can continue this? This has been my dream since 2011. Mm -hmm. Having developers creating enough money where they don't have to have a full-time job, but they can create a good living. Because I know a lot of maintainers and open source developers that still live with their parents and they make like $30,000 a year, which is not enough to be able to live on their own. So this is passionate to me. So my question is not facetious, but how is this going to live on for years and years and get basically a cultural shift in thinking that, hey, if you're an open source code creator or community member, this is how you can make a really good living and not have to have a second job. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the way that we're thinking about the accelerator and the fund is we need so many more sources of funding and funding models to be able to support open source creators as well as communities. And the thing that the accelerator is doing first is let's create a ton of examples. Let's experiment and iterate on what types of businesses can actually get created. Maybe you're just a single sponsored developer who has an entire pool of enterprise sponsors that are paying you some X number of dollars a month. And then that's your whole career. Like that's your business. That's the thing. That's the Etsy storefront equivalent, right? Like that's your whole business. Maybe you have a relationship with an enterprise where they're contributing code and community management to you. And you're also contributing code. And that's how you're able to do both of these things. And you can support your lifestyle that way. Maybe you're starting an open source company. Like these are all of the pieces of the pipeline that we want. The M12 GitHub funds component of this is if you do start that company, we want to help you in being successful there. And I think open source companies, very different set of criteria as well as product development that goes along with it. It's not just like the classic enterprise SaaS, like go, 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 like this is how you're going to do it because you have a community. You have contributors that you should be thinking about and working with in a very clear and successful way. So that's sort of why we're doing these two programs. And we're also doing it small because we know that we don't have all the answers. The community has already run way far in advance of us, right? Like there's so many companies, there are so many communities that have shown really great examples. And I'm thinking of like Evan Yu and Vue.js. He's created a totally different model on how that community survives and thrives and works just not with him, but beyond him, right? Right. And, you know, like a lot of the different Python communities have found really cool models for this. We have a lot of commercially backed software that has some source of open source contributors that don't sit in the companies themselves. And they're all trying to work this out. So in some ways, GitHub is saying, we're seeing this all on the platform. We want to help. We want to learn with you instead of give you a prescribed solution that's kind of ham-fisted in the product. And so this is our first kind of set into it. And then we'll see. I mean, in some ways, the other creator platforms are out there, like the YouTubes and the Instagrams of the world, you know, we're also working this out. We really want to be a part of this and work with the community as well as our enterprise customers who are a huge component of the users of open source. So, and that's the other thing is like, we don't want to just be doing this as like a charitable thing. This isn't just something where 
oh, like it feels good to like contribute to open source. Like, no, this is mission critical for your company. This is actually what could bring you down and you depend on it. So this isn't like something that we like throw crumbs off the table and hope some people catch it. It's that this should be a very strong symbiotic relationship. I have so many more thoughts. I have a lot more questions, but we are running up on time, which makes Part it very two. difficult for me right now. Wait, uh, I'll come back. Like, oh, oh, yeah. No, I've so, never been like this. Like, I can talk about this like for eight hours straight. So, yeah, we're going to redo the yeah. Part two yeah. coming soon, folks. But for now, we actually do have to wrap up or else my editor will send me a very angry email. So, no, he won't. Maitri, where can people learn about the Accelerator? Is it accelerator.github.com? Yes, please go there. Apply. We are taking applications until December 31st. If you're even confused or like slightly thinking about like, well, is it this or that? Like, what should I do? Email me. Uh, I'm nathry at github.com. Send me your midnight thoughts or your, you know, travelings. I will respond to it all. I really hope that if you're even thinking a little bit about it, we can talk and see what works. And what about the M12 fund? Where can people learn more about that? You can also email me there, but there's also fun at github.com. You can email us. These are really companies that we're looking at in the seed, pre-seed stage, and also looking at companies who have a strong open source component or are actually open sourced themselves. So that's where you can go and find out more and you'll meet me as well as our great partners at M12, Todd Graham and Bianca Mitra. Awesome. Okay, so go check that out. Thank you so much, Nathry. Wouldn't be a sustained podcast. We didn't have a spotlight at the end. So let's go ahead and talk about not just the projects that are awesome, but the people that have helped us along the way. So Justin, what is your spotlight today? Jessica Lord, the GitHub sponsor product lead. I think she started it. She left and they brought her back. That's how good she is. So you can check her out at github.com slash J Lord, L-O-R-D. And she's really instrumental in how GitHub sponsors works and continues to grow and scale. So, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Love Jessica. (laughs) Awesome. My spotlight today is going to be Bill Watterson because frankly, I wouldn't have my sense of humor without Calvin Hobbes and every single day it gives me joy. So I'm just going to go with that. Nathrey, what's your spotlight today? My spotlight is actually someone I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Mike Perm, he wrote an awesome 10-year anniversary post to Sidekick. And I remember reading this back in like last year or something and saying, gosh, this is it. Like, this is what we should be doing. Why are we not talking about this more? So a lot of the ideas and a lot of the inspiration behind the accelerator come from him. So thanks, Mike. Awesome. And also kudos to Jessica. Like, totally agree. (laughs) Justin. Yeah, she's awesome. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any thoughts on it, do let us know. You can email all the hosts, not just me and Justin, at podcast at the same OSS.org. If you have any feedback or if you want anyone else to come on the platform, we love suggestions for guests. Please send them along. Very few people actually email us. I just want to call that out. Like, I'm not sure I've gotten many emails at all. So please just, if you have a thought, send it along. Podcast at the same OSS.org. Also, discourse.sustainoss.org if you want to go and talk online with other people in the Sustain community. Rate this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you can. Follow discussions on Twitter at SustainOSS. We do not yet have a Mastodon instance, but we are working on it. And you can find more episodes and the show notes, of course, at sustainoss.org. There is a podcast link there where you can go to podcast.sustainoss.org or wherever podcasts are sold. Thank you so much, Nature, for coming on. It was really great. Best of luck to the Accelerator. I hope that you're able to 
both fund awesome communities and teach other open source communities in the future and individuals how to go and get money for their work so that they can be remunerated properly for their labor. That is super exciting. And do let us know how it goes in the future. And for now, take care and thanks. Thanks for having me.